Unearthed Memphis, your Memphis history podcast with hosts Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Unearthed Memphis. I'm Alan. And I'm Tara. So we're already well into spring, and as the temperatures slowly begin to rise, and then fall, and then rise again, (laughs) and then drastically fall, only to climb back up once more, followed by a fully formed swan dive back into freezing temps, and then skyrocket to temperatures only otherwise found surrounding heretics in Dante's sixth ring of hell. I mean, we are talking about Memphis weather. Yep. And uh, everything's beginning to bloom and come back to life, finally. Yep. And a craving begins to come back to life as well. A craving for beer and patio sitting. Mm-hmm. Now, to be honest, this craving is present all year round, but yep. the beer of choice changes with the season, as does the patio accessory. Yes, and we both tend to go with darker beers anyway, but our taste shifts a little more towards the light side in the warmer months. Yeah, typically. If you've been following our social media, you'll probably have noticed that we've been spending a lot of time researching for this episode (laughs) uh, and read drinking beer. Yes. Uh, It's been good for our souls since life and work has just started to look like what it did pre-COVID times. Um, So it's generally just crazy for both of us right now. It, It really is. Um, and if you've also been following our social media, you may have noticed that we did hit up Ernestine and Hazel's for a lunchtime mm-hmm. soul burger and guided tour, self-guided tour. Um, my sister wanted to go one Sunday afternoon and because she has also never been to Ernestine and Hazel's, mm-hmm. I swear, I don't know what has happened to my loved ones and why they have <laughs> never been to this place, but they haven't. We're sheltered. So I know. No longer though. No longer though. So the consensus was the burger was real good. Um, And then we took a tour upstairs, which was awesome for photographing things and also an interesting experience. But I'll let Alan tell that since it happened to him. Well, Tara and her sister and I went to the second floor of Ernestine and Hazel's upon the bartender's invitation to look around. Uh, We were the only ones upstairs at that point. It was pretty easy to tell if anyone was up there as it's really, really quiet. And if you made any move at all, you, you could hear the floorboards creak. Yes. Uh, I was walking around on the second floor, enjoying the surprisingly vibrant colors of the area. It really, really is pretty up there. Um, And I'd wandered into the corner room next to the black room, which, if you haven't been there, it's a room painted entirely black for some reason. Uh, So that corner room has a couple of armchairs and two tables uh, in the corners of the room. On top of the table behind the two armchairs is a huge mirror in a decorative gold frame. And I'd taken a couple of pictures in the room itself, just of the room, and then I took a picture of myself in that mirror. Right after I took it, I started walking back out to the hallway, and right as I started walking out, some small, hard object hit the wall right beside me as if it had been thrown from behind me, Mm. kind of in the entrance to the black room. Mm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I heard the item hit, and it must have hit hard because it was pretty loud. And then it fell and either hit the floor or the top of the table in that corner. I did sort of a squatty run out of the room because it startled <laughs> me a bit. Uh, but then I went right back in to see what might have made the noise. And I could I could not identify what item did make the noise since there's a lot of debris and broken pieces from the wall and stuff like that around the floor of the room. But it sounded like it could have been about the size of a marble or a coin. So that's my story. Nothing too crazy, but it still could have been one of the spirits that are said to haunt the place sending me a message. And I think that message was probably something like, thanks for dropping by. Don't stay around. (laughs) Um, He must have had some kind of look on his face or in his eyes as the lower half of his face were masked up. Uh, But we found us in the other room. Uh, My sister turned around and was like, what? Uh, Have you seen something? 
to which I admittedly was kind of sad I didn't get to experience whatever it was. Um, but I am glad Alan's first time there would be memorable for him. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to have to go back in the evening and experience the nighttime vibe. Yeah, I've still never been there at night. Yeah. So like I mentioned before, we've been visiting our local breweries as of late in an effort to support and drink local, uh, but to also enjoy one of the best things that Mother Nature gave our city, delicious water. And without this, this story wouldn't even be happening. Yeah, and to talk about this, uh, the history of Memphis breweries, we really have to start at the beginning, like the very beginning. Yes. All right, let's go. So many Memphians will agree on one fact about their home city. Memphis has great tasting water. It does. Most definitely. I've been other places and it... Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Northeastern Texas? Sorry, guys. <laughs> the water supply in Memphis comes from natural reservoirs hundreds of feet below the ground, and most of the water lies in sand aquifers that sit between the layers of the clay. And the sand acts as a natural filter, slowly removing many of the water's impurities. And while all water contains at least small levels of contaminants, Memphis water has very low levels of fluoride, nitrate, lead, and copper. According to a Memphis Light Gas and Water report from 2015, there's actually no detectable lead at all in our Memphis source water. Um, the water is so pure when it comes from the wells that it only has to be aerated to eliminate iron and, uh, iron and dissolved gases. After that, it's filtered, chlorinated, and fluoridated. And I'm realizing now that filtered, chlorinated, <laughs> and fluoridated sounds like something that happens to hash browns at the worst Waffle House in existence. <laughs> uh, sm- scattered, smothered, and covered sounds way better. Um, I also think that's a Hootie and the Blowfish album, by the way. I, I think it is. It which is. It's, I'm all, sure. it's all grossing me out. Mm, Let's stop. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the addition of fluoride and chlorine is a legal requirement for public drinking water so that our teeth don't rot out of our heads. Yes. Uh, because the layers of clay protect it, groundwater from Memphis is ideal for many industrial uses. And it also makes some really great beer. Yes. It also makes for some really great tasting distilled spirits, but that's a subject for a later episode. Don't worry, we will get there. Most definitely. We're definitely looking forward to doing the research on how good (laughs) bourbon tastes when it's made from Memphis water. Yep, yep. Lots of research. So, brewing in Memphis began in 1877 when G.H. Herbers organized the Memphis Brewing Company, located at the intersection of Tennessee and Butler Streets in downtown Memphis. In 1890, the brewery was acquired by J.W. Shore, Casper Kohler, and the brewery was expanded to the structure that stands today. The name was then changed to Tennessee Brewing Company, and they began using water from Memphis's naturally filtered sand aquifer to produce their beer. The first beer that was marketed by Tennessee Brewing was a Pilsner, but at the time, most breweries did not name their beers. Uh, they were known for the type instead. Ads from around 1890 list the brewery's offerings as Pilsner, Export, Tennessee Pale, Bavarian, and Budweiser. Which must have been a reference to the Bohemian style of beer made in Budweis, I guess, in the Czech Republic since the 13th century, not the Budweiser brand name. Uh, employing more than 1,500 workers and producing more than 250,000 barrels per year, Tennessee Brewing Company became a titan in the brewing industry. In 1903, they had become the largest brewery in the South. Unfortunately, Prohibition took its toll on the Tennessee Brewing Company, closing its doors for more than a decade, but all was not lost. For a couple of years, the brewery tried staying open, acting as an ice house, and by brewing and bottling a drink called Nib. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll go with NIB because I don't like the word nib. Yeah. Um, it stood for non-intoxicating beverage. And if you've ever tasted O'Doul's or any other kind of near beer beverages, you'll understand why that didn't work out for them. They're kind of gross. They are. And when Prohibition ended, the producers of alcoholic beverages were given the green light to reopen. John Shore, the son of J.W. Shore, got the brewery back up and running at full capacity. Their best-selling beer for many years was called Goldcrest, and in 1938, it was renamed Goldcrest 51 to honor the more than 51 years of success in the industry. Goldcrest was a bottled beer until 1947 when they switched to cans. (laughs) And Tara grumbles. We'll get to that later. Yes. The Tennessee Brewing Company closed its doors for the last time in 1954. The building remained vacant for just more than 50 years when it was bought by a developer to keep it from suffering the wrath of the wrecking ball. That would have been a sad thing if that would have happened. It's such a beautiful building. It really, really is. The building was purchased in 2014 by developer Billy Orgel and has now been completely renovated but with the the facade is intact into a beautiful group of apartments. I would imagine that some of those apartments would have an amazing view, just judging from the fact that the back side of the building is right on the bluff. Side note, we recently had breakfast at an adorable new place just across the street from the Tennessee Brewery called By the Brewery. Mm-hmm. And they have some really tasty breakfast fares, including a biscuit sandwich, grits, homemade pickles, and some great exclusive coffees made by uh, Jay Brooks just for them. And the people were also really nice, and the food was fantastic. Uh, They're kind of tucked away, but easy to find if you just head towards the brewery. And if you check out our Instagram, we're super pushing our social media recently. Everybody check (laughs) out our Instagram. We try to do fun things. Anyway, um, you can see a picture of the deliciousness that we ate there. It was really, really good. It was really, really good. All right. So the Tennessee brewery started brewing trend in Memphis, but it took a while for it to become the booming industry that it is today. And we're going to talk about the history of the more recent breweries that have taken the city by storm in the last decade. But first, we'll start with an oldie that I remember from childhood. In 1971, Schlitz opened a large brewery on Rains Road in southeast Memphis. About 10 years later, Strohs bought out Schlitz and took over their brewery. In 1990, Coors found out that Memphis water is just as good as Colorado water and purchased the brewery. They survived until 2007 when the brewery was bought out by a City Brewing, a Wisconsin-based brewery. Aptly named Blues City Brewery, the brewery produces 100,000 barrels of Craft Brew Alliance products. The brewery's customers provide the recipes for their brands, and Blues City makes and packages the product. Although they didn't set out to be a contract brewer of other products, it happened to work out well for the company. The Memphis location was large and more centrally located, allowing for increased volume and shorter travel time to various places. Uh, We both grew up in the Hickory Hill area, not far from the now Blue City Brewery, but I knew it as the Coors Bell. Right. And part of me vaguely remembers going there for like a tour, but I can't be certain that I didn't just make that up. I never went in the building, (laughs) I don't think. Uh, We drove past it a lot, so I could have just dreamed it up, but, but maybe I was there. Maybe. Maybe. It sticks in my brain for some reason. Anyway, we're going to fast forward to the 1990s. Mm. What a decade. Yes. The pictures we have from those years, the fashion, the hairstyles, the music. It was amazing. Right. (laughs) Uh, But better than that was the start of Memphis's beer brewing history, or the recent history, that is. Right. All right. First up is Bosco's and Ghost River. 
And until I did this research, I had no idea they were connected. I've yeah. uh, been to Bosco's numerous times, and we even skipped school together after one of our AP tests in high school. <laughs> <laughs> we would have lunch at the one in Germantown, because we could. Uh, of course, at that age, we couldn't drink the beer, but I was aware that they brewed their own beer. And as a legal adult, I've indulged in several of their brews, having no idea that's where Ghost River started. Here's a quote from Jerry Finestone. Memphis water is like starting with a blank canvas. When we brew a beer, there's nothing we have to take out of the water. Memphis is a unique beer brewing location because the water supply is very pure and clean. Jerry Finestone and Chuck Skypeck opened Bosco's Kitchen and Brewery in Germantown in December of 1992. Prior to 1992, there was a state law long held in place since Prohibition, stating that the establishment could not manufacture, distribute, and sell beer from the same location. Luckily, thanks, from hel- thanks to help from Steve Cohen, that law was struck down and Bosco's was a go. The Germantown location stayed open for 10 years, and in 2002, it opened a second location in Overton Square. The Midtown location proved to be more successful, consistently staying busy, and it's still there today, of course, and we've eaten there many times. And currently, Bosco's brews 50 styles of beer a year, adjusting the menu seasonally. And in 2007, Finestone and Skypeck were ready to step it up and open the first craft brewery in Memphis. And they've been brewing on a small scale uh, at the restaurant for several years, but they decided they needed to find a place where they can make about 2,000 barrels a year. And in 2008, Ghost River expanded, and they were then able to produce up to 12,000 barrels a year. (laughs) And Ghost River identifies as an American craft brewer, meaning it's small in scale production, independently owned and controlled, and utilizes traditional brewing ingredients. And they have about three or four beers in the regular rotation, and then a few seasonal ones that get thrown into the mix as well. Being supporters of their city, Finestone and Skypeck connected their brewery to our city in a few different ways. The name Ghost River comes from a part of the Wolf River known as the Ghost Section. It's one of the main areas where our aquifers recharge, and it's a beautiful part of the river. The brewery also supports the Wolf River Conservatory by donating proceeds from every barrel sold to the conservatory. Ghost River Brewery is located at 827 South Main and open Wednesday through Sunday with varying hours. And kudos to Feinstein and Skypeck for being pioneers of craft brewing in our city. All right, next up is Wiseacre Brewery, and it has probably my favorite beer in the city. Mm-hmm. It's a coffee stout called Gotta Get Up to Get Down, and it's my favorite even though you can only buy it in a can in stores. That's okay. We just go to bars. That's true. Um, the uh, explanation of the aforementioned grumbled, I have a ridiculous aversion to drinking beer from cans, and I will refrain from telling everyone why because I don't want people to hate me. But <laughs> thankfully, I've got loads of pint glasses at home uh, for consumption. Yeah, she's good once it gets in a glass. When it's in a glass, it's so much better. Anyway. We'll just say she's afraid of cutting herself or something <laughs> like that. We'll just go with that. We're going to go with that, yes. Um, while researching the different breweries in Memphis, I found that their website has probably the best description of their history. Uh, with a map of the U.S. and a little side map of Europe, the picture leads you on a trip through the education and accolades of the brains behind Wiseacre Brewery. Devin Bartosh, head brewer, and his brother Kellen, certified Cicerone? I guess so, sure. I think that's how you say it. It's the equivalent of a sommelier. Um, spent their youth studying all things beer. 
And David attended the World Brewing Academy in Chicago and Doman's Academy in Germany, while Kellen headed to Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, obtaining his Cicerone certification bore, uh, before becoming a columnist for beer magazines and websites. Wiseacre's original taproom on Broad Avenue opened in June of 2013. It was the city's first taproom. Woohoo! The location served the brewery well, but with their brews becoming ever more popular, they needed more room. And opening in June of 2020, uh, the downtown location is four times the size of the Broad Avenue location. We're brought as a windowless warehouse uh, with a decent-sized outdoor space. It's actually pretty nice out there. It is really Uh, nice out there, actually, yeah. The new location is on B.B. King, is bright and airy, and with the ability to host 300 people inside and 800 outside. They also have an in-house pizzeria called Little Betty, which is operated by Andy Tyser and Michael Hudman of the well-known Andrew Michael Italian Kitchen here in Memphis. Oh, and it's real good, too. I've never been. Nobody will take me. Oh, well, I meant Little Betty, but Andrew Michael's also (laughs) real good. (laughs) Broad Avenue can produce up to 20,000 barrels a year, whereas the new location is equipped for up to 80,000 barrels a year. Wiseacre HQ, what the new location is lovingly called, has first-class technology that helps keep beer fresher, longer, a cleaner flavor, and an increased number of cans that can be filled per minute, ensuring maximum amount production. And of course, Wiseacre Broad, Wiseacre OG as it's called, uh, won't close because it's their original home, but they'll be using it to brew more more esoteric and experimental beers um, that will take more time and effort. And Wiseacre OG is located at 2783 Broad Avenue and is open seven days a week. Wiseacre HQ is located at 398 South BB King Boulevard and is also open seven days a week. Um, But you'll need to check out their website for hours and special events. Memphis Made, which was the first local brewery that we have both ever gone to. Yes. uh, Has been a staple in the Cooper Young community for almost eight years. Uh, Memphis Made Brewery has fan favorites on tap year-round, but always throws in a special or limited edition brew for customers to enjoy. Drew Barton, president and head brewer, and Andy Ashby, vice president in sales and marketing, started Memphis Made in 2013 with the idea that fresh beer is the best beer. I agree. Yes. <laughs> the tap room in Cooper Young opened in November of 2014. Barton went to North Carolina to pursue br- brewing, uh, starting as a delivery driver and making his way up to head brewer. He left North Carolina in 2010 and moved back home to Memphis and started working towards making Memphis made a reality. Ashby found his footing in the beer world as a bartender at the Flying Saucer during summers home from college. Then he moved to London and tended to bar at a local pub. It was there that he realized beers that were made closer to home were ultimately better tasting. Hmm. And I think that is accurate. Upon returning to Memphis, he helped found the Cooper Young Beer Fest, which features only craft breweries that are located no more than a day's drive from Memphis. And in 2013, he left his day job, a journalist for various Mid-South publications, to help start the Memphis Made Brewery with Barton. The brewery, located in an old warehouse with entry through a garage loading dock door, has daily food trucks and allows outside food deliveries. Don't forget to take your obligatory photo in front of the I Love Memphis mural in the parking lot. Because I think I've got about a hundred of those. (laughs) I I think I have zero of me in front of that, and that's got to change. No, no, yes. Uh, In late 2019, there was talk of a second location opening in the Edge District, uh, it's right on the. Uh, it's uh, it's on Madison, right on the edge of downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence the name, the Edge. Uh, we'll be crossing our fingers that that still comes to fruition, as it will provide a bigger tap room and and more outdoor space. 
Memphis Made is located at 768 South Cooper, and it is uh, open Wednesday through Sunday with varying hours. We've had a lot of Memphis Made beers, seeing as we both have lived in Cooper Young in the past. Yep. I, I did for 10 years, and she did on and off for 43, decades. 90, I don't even know. <laughs> so many years. Uh, some <laughs> amount of years. I think our favorite beer there is called Soulful Ginger, which they brew during the summer, and it's a saison that's barreled with candied ginger. Mm. It's wonderful. Mm, yep. And uh, during Halloween, they actually brew one called Soulless Ginger, which is the same thing, but higher gravity. So it's wonderful and gets you drunk quicker. Yep. Super (laughs) delicious. (laughs) Unique in its situation, High Cotton Brewery is relatively small compared to its friends in the brew business, but the quality more than makes up for it. According to Ryan Staggs, co-owner and co-founder... We currently operate a seven-barrel brew house, which is relatively small volume if compared to other Memphis operations. Our small brew house affords the luxury of producing a lot of variety without committing to a large volume or sacrificing our regular production schedule. It also allows us to experiment more regularly and hopefully hone in on the next regularly produced beer. High Cotton opened its doors June 14th of 2014 in the Edge District, just adjacent to downtown. Ross Avery, Ryan Staggs, Bryce Timmons, and Phil Massey joined forces and decided to open their tap room in conjunction with Edge Alley, a restaurant next door, uh, to ensure that they will always have food on site and be able to sell their product. Smart thinking. Yeah, no kidding. Admitting they have no formal brew schooling, the partners know that they have something special to offer the community. And according to the website, their success comes from meticulous selection of ingredients, painstaking process of trial and error, and ruthlessly critiquing the fruits of their labor. On their opening day, the owners thought they'd have about 150 people show up to the festivities, but they actually had over 1,000. Boom. Yep, and they essentially shut down the street. And Memphians love good beer and a place to drink it that lets them socialize with their community. So not really surprised that happened. No, not at all. Um, High Cotton is located at 598 Monroe Avenue and is open Tuesday through Sunday with varying hours. And I think one of the first times we went to High Cotton was after we ate at Edge Alley, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a place we thoroughly enjoy. We love that place. The owners are so sweet. So sweet. Oh, my goodness. Love it. Um, But their tap room is great to hang out with friends. And even if it's smaller, it's intimate and inviting. And we just really like having beer there. Yeah, we do. It's just a good place to go, man. Mm -hmm. This next brewery is the only one we haven't actually been to yet. It uh, really isn't for any other reason that it's on the opposite side of town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rest assured, we will try it. We've heard nothing but good things about it, and they have a beer called 201 Hoppler, which is a fantastic <laughs> name. It's amazing. For those of you listening from outside Memphis or just didn't catch the reference, 201 Poplar happens to be the address of the Pokey. Yep. Um, Meddlesome Brewery, located in Cordova, just down the street from Shelby Farms, opened in 2017. There was a method to the madness of not putting their brewery in Midtown or Downtown. They saw an opportunity to spread craft beer around the city of Memphis, and they took it. Ben Pugh and Richie Esquivel are the masterminds behind Meddlesome Brewery. Both had previously worked in breweries, Bosco's and Rockendo, and also had a love of home brewing. And their small batch tap room gives them the opportunity to have something new on tap more frequently. Meddlesome focuses on American and Belgian style beers, but they also throw some seasonal into the rotation as well as some limited small batch flavors. And Meddlesome is also committed to making a positive impact on the community. According to their website, they have donated over $15,000 to local charities. 
Every light bulb in their facility is LED to ensure they're not wasting energy. They've installed a highly fuel-efficient boiler to ensure they don't waste gas. They've partnered with a local cattle farmer to dispose of their grain so it doesn't rot in a landfill somewhere. And they have on-demand water heaters for brewing system that also helps keep the gas usage to a minimum. And they reacclimate all of their wastewater for cleaning and proper treatment for disposal, which is kudos to them. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, no kidding. All of that's great. Yeah. Uh, Meddlesome is uh, located at 7750B Trinity Road and is open Tuesday through Sunday. Hours vary. And this summer, while we're running around Shelby Farms, we'll have to make a trip over to Meddlesome and try some of their brews. Yes, after we have then deserved a beer. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the closest brewery to us, where we find ourselves more and more frequently nowadays, is the Crosstown Brewery. Yep. It was opened in 2018 by two guys with big dreams. Will Goodwin and Clark Ortkeezy, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, uh, longtime friends and competitive at-home brewers dreamed of turning their hobby into a career when they were told the old Sears Crosstown building was going to be renovated. Uh, living in the neighborhood, they felt that this was their opportunity. They needed a, to open a brewery inside the renovated building. Goodwin and Orkizi were leaders in Memphis Brewers Association, so they had some connections and they had the know-how to make beers on a small scale, but they knew they couldn't do commercial beer on their own, so they would need a head brewer. They went to talk to the only professional brewer they knew to ask for advice and ended up bringing him into the business. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. (laughs) Stephen Tate studied brewing at the World Brewing Academy in Chicago and Domans in Germany. With Tate's worldly knowledge of brewing, the team was complete. Unfortunately, they couldn't find a spot within the concourse to house the brewery, so they did the next best thing. They opened one right next door. Located to the west of the Crosstown Concourse, Crosstown Brewery has its own tap room featuring a wide variety of brews um, for a wide variety of appetites. They also offer flights of four uh, on-tap brews for those who just like a little taste of everything. Uh, Their outdoor space is pet and family friendly with daily food trucks, musical events to enjoy. And they've also hosted pop-up shops during Christmas, trivia nights, and even yoga classes I've seen. Uh, Crosstown Brewery is located at 1264 Concourse, and it's open seven days a week, but their hours do vary, so check out their website for hours and special events. And what I love about Crosstown is they really do have a beer for all tastes. Even my sister, who really doesn't like beer, has found some that suit her palate. Shocking. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And during COVID, they were making small batches of various flavors that you could do a drive-by and pick up, and we did that. A lot. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. There's, some of them are still in our fridge. But that's just because we go slow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next brewery, I think, may be our favorite one to go to and hang out. Uh, Grind City Brewery was started by a father and son duo who really enjoyed home brewing. Hopper Seeley, appropriately named, uh, <laughs> right. who had grown up around the home brewing process, knew from a young age that he wanted to, be, to open a brewery. After high school, he went to a nine-week brew course at Brew Lab in England learning how to use the proper equipment and how to make quality beer every time. Hopper, along with some of his friends, entered a wheat beer contest in England, and they won it. Woohoo! Congrats! Yeah. After leaving Europe, he spent a few years in Mississippi and Tennessee perfecting his craft before joining with, joining with his father, Bill Seeley, and opening a new brewery in Uptown. And the Seeleys chose this spot for the brewery in an old furniture factory uptown in an effort to help jumpstart the redevelopment in that area. They believe if you can create a restaurant or a brewery that you can walk to, you can create a better living environment. 
and the brewery sits on 4.6 acres of land with scenic views of the river and the iconic Hernando de Soto Bridge. And the younger Seely is Grind City's president, and joining him are two former members of the Ghost River team, Tyler Nelson, who is the general manager, and Mark Patrick, the head brewer. And opening later than desired due to the pandemic, Grind City Taproom opened in the summer of 2020. The brewery has a wide range of brews, and according to the founders, the three of them can pretty much make any category of beer. <laughs> and their list proves it. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Not only do they brew delicious beer, but they are also committed to giving back to their community. Grind City donates part of their proceeds to organizations such as Leadership Empowerment Center, St. Jude, Madonna Learning Center, Junior Achievement, Ronald McDonald House, Crosscheck, Habitat for Humanity, and Angel Street. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Grind City is located at 76 Waterworks and is open Wednesday through Sunday. Hours vary by the day. The brewery does rent out their facility for events as well. Check out their site or Facebook or Instagram page for food truck announcements, beers on tap, and any other potential closing for events. Seriously, the atmosphere is there is great, and so are the beers. There's a huge yard with a view of the river and picnic tables and cornhole and the kids and puppies and are running around. And puppies. It's kind of hard to explain, but we always it always feels picturesque and perfect when we're there, and it's 100% worth the drive. It's beautiful out there. It really is. I mean, it really does just feel kind of perfect when you're out there. Yeah. Ugh, so good. All right, next up is the Hampline Brewery, and it's one of the three new breweries opening just this year. Yeah. And nothing, there's nothing better than making a life-changing decision and opening a business in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> right. I know that from personal experience as well. Right. It's craziness. Anyway, opening in late January 2021, West Osier teamed with Martha Hample and Richard Rose from the rec room to open the newest tap room in Memphis. Osher was stationed in Germany and fell in love with beer. After moving back home, he turned his love of beer into a hobby and career. He worked at several breweries around the U.S. before receiving his Master Brewer certification from the World Brewing Academy in Chicago and one in Munich, Germany. His vision uh, is to bring new beer styles such as New England IPAs and mixed culture sours along with old world German, Belgian, and British styles to Memphis beer lovers. And he does. It's real good, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're really good. Uh, located just off Sam Cooper behind the rec room, the Hampline Brewery boasts a state-of-the-art brewing system and plans on brewing about 500 barrels their first year. And the space offers indoor seating as well as an outdoor green space right off the Hampline part of the green line. And it's perfect for riding your bike, too, and being able to sit outside and enjoy a beer with friends. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, their mascot is one you may know if you've listened to our Memphis Zoo episode, Natch the Bear. The one that was once chained to a tree in Overton Park and resulted in Memphis having the wonderful zoo we have now. Yep. Uh, he is riding a penny farthing. That's the big <laughs> wheeled bike that you see in old <laughs> pictures. Uh, with a beer in hand and a feat not easily done by any just any regular bear. Nope, nope. But Nash can do anything. Anything. Hampline is open Thursday through Sunday. Hours vary. It's hard not to stop by the Hampline because I literally pass it twice a day going to and from work. Yeah. And I can't stop by at 8.30 in the morning because they're not open yet. Nope. But I would. Totally would. Before before work. <laughs> work, you didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, the owners are incredibly nice. And that tartar than the average bear, blackberry sour, is my jam. Yep. Holy moly, it's good. It's real good. I love it. 
Memphis's newest beer company is also Memphis's first black-owned brew company. Kelvin Kohlheim, founder of the Beale Street Brewing Company, said in an interview, Someone told me the other day that just by us being recognized as a black-owned brewery in Memphis, it introduces craft beer to entirely different demographic of people who may not have been paying attention to it. It's true. I think that's quite accurate. Um before the beer company, Kolheim went to a culinary school and worked in the catering business. And while trying his hand at home brewing, he realized he could manipulate beer flavors like he could food flavors. And thus, the Beale Street Brewing Company was created. Kolheim's day job for the last several years was the Director of Economic Development for the Greater Memphis Chamber, where he was basically an ambassador for Memphis, like a big old cheerleader. <laughs> um, and he believes Beale Street Brewing is an extension of what he did at the Chamber. It's an ambassador for Memphis. And in March of 2020, Beale Street Brewing released its first two beers, Sensational IPA. That's a nod to Penny Hardaway. And Space Age Sippin' Volume 1. And uh, that's a nod to a song by 8-Ball and MJG. Yeah. Um, the next two beers, 528 Hertz of Love and Hoppiness <laughs> and Memphis All Day Er Day, pays respect to Memphis moguls Al Green, Isaac Hayes, and 3-6 Mafia. Right. Yep, yep. At Beale Street Brewing Company, they use the blues, a variety of hops, locally sourced and unconventional ingredients, and the soul of Memphis to produce their beer. Mm. Great ingredients and good people make remarkable tasting beer. They sure do. Yeah. Currently, Kohlheim is brewing out of Lazy Magnolia Brewery in, M- in Mississippi, but is looking for the perfect spot to open a tap room, hopefully close to Beale Street. You can purchase his beer at multiple liquor stores and grocery stores in the Mid-South. I keep seeing posts about these beers, and I really can't wait to try them. Uh, I think we need to make a liquor store run real we do. soon. We do, yeah. <laughs> And last but not least, a brewery in the works, which will hopefully be opening this summer. Uh, On our weekend drives around downtown and uptown, we've passed the future home of Soul and Spirits and have been watching the progress that's being made. It's a huge building with a fantastic walking gallery of murals on its outside walls. If you haven't driven up to the Snuff District recently, you should. There's a large collection of murals donning the walls of vacant buildings all over the area. It's really beautiful. It really, really is. Um, anyway, back to Soul and Spirits. It isn't finished yet, but it's getting there. Located in Uptown, it's owned by a husband and wife duo, Blair Perry and Ryan Allen. After having his first beer in Prague, Allen went to Germany to study brewing. Perry and Allen both have a love of beer and wanted to open a large enough space where people could enjoy it in a variety of settings. According to an article where Allen was interviewed, he said, Our taproom is going to be unique in that it has different spaces, different feelings. We're taking four unique cultures, and while we want it to be cohesive, we want them to feel like different spaces. Those four spaces are like an English pub bar setting, an American-style game room, an intimate setting that brings uh, brings to mind Belgium, and a German-style community seating. Uh, Solon Spirits is located at 845 North Main Street and hopefully will open soon. I hope so. I'm excited to see that kind of mashup of places and beers yeah yeah i'm interested to go Ooh, that's a lot of breweries um but memphians are incredibly lucky to have such deliciousness at our disposals yep uh but we would be remiss if we didn't also touch on something that is threatening the life and longevity of every brewery not to mention every citizen of our city and if you haven't heard about the bahalia pipeline and the controversy surrounding it 
Uh, we'll give you a brief synopsis. I've taken a few excerpts from a few articles explaining what's going on. So in 2019, the Bihalia Pipeline, a joint venture of Texas-based Plains All-American Pipeline and Valero Energy Corporation, revealed plans for a 49-mile pipeline route between Valero Memphis Refinery and the Valero facility in Marshall County, Mississippi. The proposed route runs through black Memphis neighborhoods including Westwood, Whitehaven, and Boxtown, and it also runs over the Memphis water supply. Side note, there is a more direct route to the to link the facilities, but it would run the pipe through the more affluent neighborhoods in East Memphis and Germantown. But, of course, that route was not one they would choose to pursue. Right. Not that I want any route to, through Memphis to happen, but it's just a little suspect that they would choose a route through low-income neighborhoods. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shady. According to a Tennessee Lookout article, project critics point out that the communities are already burdened by harmful environmental issues. Nearby oil refineries, wastewater treatment facilities, industrial manufacturers, and power plants lead to cancer risk four times the national average. And contamination of the area's drinking water could potentially turn the area into another Flint, Michigan, a city whose water system was contaminated with lead. Mm. And um, City Councilman Jeff Warren said, all it takes is a small amount of crude oil to damage our water indefinitely. So this is for our generations to come, trying to protect the aquifer we have in our city and county. Fortunately, groups such as Protect Our Aquifer and Memphis Community Against the Pipeline have rallied to unite the city and its officials against the pipeline. Yep. The issue has not only gained the attention of those in our city, but all over the nation. News outlets all over the country are reporting on the issues. Uh, celebrities are even joining in the fight. Sybil Shepard, Justin Timberlake, Danny Glover, Jane Fonda, Giancarlo Esposito, and Piper Parabo are taking to social media to protest. When Al Gore came to a rally opposing the pipeline, he said, but now they have to run into Memphis, Tennessee, which is not the path of least resistance. Our city and its residents are fighting to show big oil that they can't bribe, bully, or sue those in our community to get what they want. Yep. In one article, I read that there was a quote that said that there are two types of oil pipelines, ones that have leaked and ones that are going to leak. And it happens. It will happen. It may not happen tomorrow, but we have to look at future generations of Memphians. And Jim Kovarik, spokesman for Protect Our Aquifer, put it best when he said, the aquifer is the most valuable asset we have in Memphis. And y'all remember when we had to do that boil water for like four days Mm. and it seemed like the end of the world? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I do too. And I don't ever want to have to do that again. And we have to do what we can to protect our people, our water source, and for the sake of this podcast episode, yes. all the delicious beer that our city produces. Save the beer. Save the beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for serious guys, it is a really important issue. So I just had to put it in there. Um, not that we try to get terribly political on this, but no. for various reasons, um, we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. This is not political. This is health. This is health. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, that's it. Thanks for listening to the stories that we have unearthed. Uh, We hope you get out and enjoy some delicious local brews on one of the many lovely patios around the city. 
apparently is going to get warm again soon. I, I think so. I think it happened today. It did. Um, that random cold spell in uh, April is just for the birds. Yeah, I'm over okay. it. <laughs> and as always, don't forget to listen to our next episode in your favorite podcast listening app. Also, if you get a chance, we'd love for you to like and subscribe, leave us a review, share us on social media, and also share us on social media. And, and Also, one other thing you could do is share us on social media. Yeah. People read that social media, man. They do. They do. Um, check out our website at unearthmemphis.com, Instagram at unearthmemphis, Facebook at facebook.com slash unearth901, Twitter at unearth901, or drop us an email at unearthmemphis at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from everyone. Questions, comments, suggestions, corrections, general chatter is appreciated and enjoyed. It is. We like talking to folks. We do. We do. Uh, disclaimer, we are not historians. We are simply two people who are interested in Memphis history. We have done research and are trying to provide accurate history as the best we can. There is a possibility that some of the statements are incorrect, but we have tried to verify all the info so we're not putting out any untrue info. To the best of our knowledge, what we are saying is correct, but let us know if you have any things to add or correct. In the show notes, you'll find links to the articles we used and book titles, etc. to gather our information. Yay. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Unearthed Memphis is written, produced, and engineered by Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. The music was written, performed, and recorded by Donnie Wayne Smith and Alan Compton. 